Thank you. Hello, everybody. Uh, this is uh, our sixth class in the course on technology and human rights advocacy. And uh, as you all know, we have uh, two more weeks to go. So we're going to uh, shift to the second gear and we'll try to accelerate a little bit, especially with our campaign plan. So by this class, we will cover all the elements of the, of the campaign plan, which means that uh, if you will have in, enough material to uh, put the, 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 the campaign plan together. So let me just move to the next slide and just cover again all the elements of the campaign plan, which is the final assignment. So we already focused on the objective, and uh, in that session we asked ourselves about uh, the objective using the SMART criteria, if you remember. But the main question was, what do we want to achieve? So this is probably the first question we asked ourselves uh, when we were developing uh, the campaign. Uh, we also worked on the message using the spectrum of allies. By using spectrum of allies, we isolated different targets uh, of our tailored communication strategy. And uh, then using the message box for uh, these targets, we developed the message. Last week, we talked about tactics in general and different kinds of conveying the message, but more uh, connected to the online campaigns and digital activism and uh, use of information technology. We talked about uh, blogging, we talked about the use of photos, and uh, we also touched upon the use of video in the uh, dissemination of the of the message, but most importantly, we look back at the at the telling the story uh, lesson, which was the second lesson in this course, and we talked about the again about the ways the the information is structured in inverted pyramid structure, and uh, we're putting all the information up front in order to reach uh, the audience. That combined with the message developed with the message box would serve as the basic uh, uh, method of delivering the message. And so this week we're going to look at the organization and resources, meaning we're going to look at the, uh, we're going to answer the question, how do we do this? How do we implement a campaign? And uh, uh, because, you know, the objectives on its own or message, campaign message on its own, even the blogs and different tactics on their own, they don't constitute a campaign. In order to have a full-functioning campaign, we need to have organization around it. So, so in this particular class, we're going to talk about organization, and we're also going to talk about uh, resources needed for for the campaign. So let's look at the organization. So I will invite you now to help me in figuring out all the tasks that are necessary 
for implementation of a campaign. So we're, we're, we're starting very, how shall I say, uh, uh, with a relatively blank uh, screen. And on this screen we can see, we, I, I just put two things. First are the goals and second is the environment. Goals being what a campaign or our advocacy effort wants to reach. This is, a, this is the goal of our effort. This is what we would like to see in the end, etc., etc. And this is something that, that, that we're going to put on one side of the screen. On the other side of the screen is the environment we're working in. These are all the conditions that we are facing. These are all the obstacles, all the opportunities, all the things that we are uh, operating under. These are the, the, our technological constraints, our political constraints, other different, different opportunities that may arise uh, in, in our environment. And so, since the, how should I say, some sort of a tentative definition of an organization is a, a, an entity or a group of people that is uh, at the same time has certain goals of activity of that organization but also operates in an environment, we will now try to list a couple of uh, uh, activities or, or or uh, let's call them uh, operations that uh, an organization is doing that are connected to either to the goal or the environment. So if you have any ideas, what are the typical activities of an organization that constitute an organization, I would like you to either put them in the chat box on the, on the side or you can even use the text tool on the, on the uh, on the whiteboard, and you can type them in directly. If you don't uh, type them in, if you type them in the in the chat box, I will type them in in the in the in this box here. So the question once again is, what are some examples of activities that uh, are that can be seen in different kinds of organizations that uh, are, let's say, regular activities of organizations? Any ideas? Let me try to, 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 to put one. Uh, one, for instance, activity is analysis. So this would be an, uh, an activity of an organization where the organization analyzes the environment and, uh, and uh, kind of creates uh, an assessment of, of, of what is going on. Okay, let me add one more. Planning is something organizations regularly do. And evaluating plans. Okay, so this is another thing. Any, any more ideas? Thoughts? Acting, exactly. Acting. Or we can call them also, we can call that also implementing plans. Yes, implementing plans, acting. Okay, also, you know, another important thing is feedback. Or actually, uh, which is connected to evaluation of the plans, and this is uh, looking at the impact of what we are doing. Analyzing it. 
Any more ideas? What what would be some other replanning? Exactly, that's another thing. Or another way to put it is uh, uh, let's call it re replanning. Sounds good. I'm I'm yeah. I'm trying to find a better word based on feedback. Exactly. So this is another thing. What do you think? Is the part of the organization also capacity building? That's another that's another thing. What would be a capacity building? For instance, education of activists. Or, for instance, recruitment. This is bringing new activists. Or, for instance, fundraising. So this would be another. We can we can put a lot of we can put a lot of these activities. But as you can see, uh, there is a lot of work to be done. Uh, in an organization of a, of a human rights advocacy effort. So, although we focused a lot on planning in the previous uh, previous uh, few courses, a few previous few lessons of the course, we looked at the developing the message, uh, defining the strategic goals, etc., etc. There are other things, very important things that the organization of a campaign needs to do. So, let's try to structure these. You know, we 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 listed a lot of activities here, but they can be actually put into into uh, let's call them three groups of activities. First group are planning activities. This is everything that has to do with analyzing the environment, creating plans that relate to goals, and then doing. Uh, uh, additional planning, doing any kind of assessment of, of the of how plans were implemented and how they can be implemented uh, better. Anything that has to do with uh, with with planning or replanning activities is one type of activity. Another type of activity over here is uh, just a second is implementation. So we talked about planning, and now we talk about implementation. Implementation is everything that we covered in the last class, writing those blogs, making all those videos, uh, doing the, the necessary, uh, organizing necessary tactics, uh, anything that is going to put the plan into action are activities based on uh, implementation. And uh, they constitute implementation. And then the third thing is actually what is called organization management. And organization management is everything that is uh, connected to the organization itself, not necessarily to the goals and not necessarily to the environment. So this is, these are everything uh, connected to routine tasks, 
to capacity building, to education of activists, to uh, improvement of, of internal procedures or changes in the in the organizational structure, anything that the organization is doing uh, uh, to, let's say, redefine or, or to recreate itself. So these three types of, of, of activities, one connected to planning, to creative work, to uh, analysis, another connected to, uh, to implementation, to action, and the third one uh, connected to management of the organization. So any ideas on uh, what should, uh, actually not what should, but what usually takes most of the time and most of the effort and most of the energy, what, what kind of activities? Uh, planning activities, uh, management activities, or implementation activities in 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 regular camp, let's say campaigns or organizations. Any thoughts? Any ideas? What what how, how should I say take the the bulk of, of of the of the of our time and energy? Okay, we have one uh, one uh, comment here. It's that it's the management that takes most. Uh, any other thoughts? Okay, so so far we just have the implementation and management. Okay, some people think that it's implementation that takes most of the of the time and most of the energy, but I haven't heard the planning so far. And now I would like to rephrase. Uh, I would like to rephrase the the, the, the question and now ask uh, again uh, what what deserves most of the the time that the organization could could dedicate. In other words, what would you like to see the time spent most on in in a in a in an organization of a, of a human rights advocacy effort. So this is not what is, uh, what is uh, currently happening or what is usually happening, but what would be, how should I say, the best case scenario. And so we have a, uh, 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 one of the answers, strategy, or as, as it is written here, planning. And indeed, uh, ideally, if we could spend more time on planning, analysis, and assessment, and less time uh, doing routine tasks and, and uh, implementation, uh, that would be actually better. And this is this is the the, the main goal of of organization uh, uh, building and creating organization around the campaign, because the main thing for the organization is to create a structure where implementation and organization management could be done. Uh, relatively easily without a lot of need for a micromanagement and lot of need for attention so that the leadership of the campaign and the creators of the campaign can actually spend more time planning, analyzing, uh, uh, looking at the feedback, looking at the impact that the campaign is making without actually spending too much time on routine tasks, on management, on other things. So. To, to put it in other words, the reason why we're going to look at organization, the reason why we're going to look at the organization management in general, 
is because we want to increase time and energy spent on planning. Okay, so when we look at these three levels, uh, or actually these three uh, groups of, of, of activities, so far we looked at planning uh, when we uh, discussed uh, smart objectives, and when we discussed the message box, and when we discussed the spectrum of allies, and these are all planning methodologies and planning exercises that we used. So we were uh, analyzing the uh, environment, we were uh, defining our goals based on the, the criteria that they're specific, measurable, achievable, uh, realist, um, relevant and, and timely. We also looked at the spectrum of allies and the intended uh, behavior of different uh, groups that we want to reach with our message. We looked at the message box and tried to analyze what they think about themselves, what they think about us, each of those groups, and what what we think about them, and what what we uh, also say about us. And these are all planning uh, activities that will allow us to go into the implementation. And then we looked at the implementation when we last week talked about uh, blogs and when we talked about photos and videos. But these are the results of the of the of the planning. This is what is coming out of the planning process and the implementation process, and this is something that is reaching the wider audience. So these are the two things that we covered. Now we're going into the management, where we're going to look at the resources, or how do we manage resources. We're going to look at the skills, and we're going to uh, look at the structure of the of the human rights advocacy effort, or actually a structure of the organization that is uh, running a campaign. Okay, so before I go into the next slide, I have a question. Uh, if, if we can list resources, if you can give me some ideas, what constitutes resources. We have already here that uh, on, on, on this slide that uh, under mobilization, one of the activities was uh, providing material and human resources. Is there any other resource between, uh, besides material and human resources? Do you have an, any idea? Is there anything else that we can add to the list of human resources and material resources. Financial resources. Exactly. Financial resources are also, uh, let's say, a group of material resources because most of the material resources are actually financial. But we can, we can put them as a separate, as a separate uh, or as a, as, a, as, a, as a subgroup of material resources. But these are things, anything uh, uh, money, uh, access to infrastructure, to technological equipment, access to, uh, let's say, material like paper for printing or access to printing presses, etc., etc. So money is, 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 is also one of the resources, probably the one that can actually give us all the other material resources relatively easily. But any other resource that we, can, that we may think about? Any, any thoughts? 
Okay, I guess today we are not uh -huh. managing talent. Well, yeah, talents are also an interesting uh, resource. Exactly, this is inside human resources. So human resources are not just, and we're, we're, we're going to talk about it a bit later, they're not just numbers, but they're also uh, what kind of uh, people are part of the uh, of the effort. Not just how many people support, but what can they provide in terms of skills, in terms of talent, in terms of their creativity. So this is all part of the human resources. Okay, I won't keep you any, any longer uh, uh, and, and ask you to guess what would be the, the third resource. When we, look, when we talk about resources, we usually talk about material resources, human resources, and time. And time is also an important resource. Uh, and in a, in a minute we will figure out why is that. But let's go, uh, uh, I'll, I already talked a bit uh, about it. So when we talk about material resources, uh, there is a substitute for any material resource. And that is money. So if we have money, we can have access to any any sort of material uh, resource. But it's not always that 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 money is the sole material resource. And if I remember uh, my experience from from Oxford uh, back in the 90s in Serbia, uh, for instance, one of the very important resources that we had access to was coffee that was provided to us by a local coffee shop as a sort of uh, support for the movement. So we actually never uh, had to spend any money or to, uh, how should I say, uh, invest any money in our, in, our, uh, uh, in, in our coffee that, that was consumed in, 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 in the Otpor, both in the Otpor, let's say, uh, uh, official office and in the hidden uh, headquarters because we were provided uh, with coffee by uh, by the local coffee shop. So material resources can go from anything as uh, how shall I say mundane or or or, or ordinary like coffee, or it can be uh, in 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 a form of uh, big uh, financial. Uh, or, or, or any other uh, endowment that, that the organization has access to. So they can actually spend on advertising, on campaigns. Or Another thing is human resources. Human resources, as I said uh, earlier, both in, in terms of quantity and quality, both in terms of number of people who support and who participate in the cause, and also in, in terms of what they bring to the cause. Uh, what are their skills, what are their talents, and what are their... Uh, uh, what are the things that they can do, actually. Uh, and then the third resource, uh, a very important one, is time. And the reason why, the, that why time is such an important resource is that uh, it is actually equal to uh, all. It is uh, rich and poor, uh, the time passes at the same pace for both rich and, and, and poor. And time passes at the same pace for both those who, who, have, who are big in numbers and, and those who are few in numbers. So time is a big equalizer for 
the purposes of, of management and the resource management. And this is why we will look at time in a bit separate uh, manner from, 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 the other, from the other resources. But anyway, let's look at the material resources. So, as, as, as I said, you know, uh, material resources can actually provide you with a, with a lot of uh, opportunities. But the problem is that the human rights advocacy campaigns don't have access to material resources. So one of the important things in, in uh, organizing campaigns is figuring out low-cost alternatives for uh, uh, activities that, 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 that are intended. So I here listed a couple of activities, and now together we will try to look at some low-cost alternatives to them. So, for instance, let's say uh, an intended activity in a human rights advocacy effort is the production of TV commercials, which are filmed in the studio, and they are uh, broadcast on a, on a sort of TV network or, or a, a number of TV networks. And these are mostly paid commercials. So, if we don't have... Uh, enough uh, material resources to organize that, what would be a low-cost alternative? And here we have already the first answer, and it is YouTube and viral videos. Yeah, that, that, that would be an alternative to, and I will just add viral video, because, so who would be the, Okay, so for instead of printed material, posters, flyers, etc., etc., we can have digital materials. Indeed, we can have, uh, for instance, instead of sending flyers, we can send out emails, or we can post a web, we can we can set a website, or or something like that. We can use Twitter. Okay, so let's put one here. Here we have Twitter. Okay, we have also Facebook. We also have here Facebook video. Okay, so what would be uh, a low-cost alternative to having an office with operating hours nine to five every day where there is a person sitting at the desk and where people can come in and they can actually, uh, you know, find somebody and, and talk to somebody who is representing organization, etc., etc. So, okay, so we have uh, the alternatives are parks, university, cafes. Indeed, regular meetings are also, also, also good that, that people actually have, uh, uh, let's say, every... Thursday or every Wednesday there is a, uh, there is somebody there. So for instance, if, if we look at Hotspur, uh, at, uh, 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 which is the movement I belong to, we uh, didn't have an office, neither a, a regular or, an, or, a, or a hidden one, for uh, only, we, we only got an office in the last year 
of, of our activity. And this was a, an apartment that was given to us by uh, one of the, one of the uh, mother of one of our activists. But before that, we actually managed to run uh, the whole movement from cafes. And that was uh, actually uh, an important, uh, how should I say, an important uh, and uh, I don't know why this is lost. This was an important uh, meeting point for, for us because uh, we would go and, 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 and plan everything in a, in, in a cafe, although we didn't have uh, an operating office. Okay, an online forum. That's another online forum is another way to compensate for, for that. And a blog. Also mailing list. There are other ways to 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 communicate. Uh, Google hand, Hangout, <laughs> that's another another way to do it. And uh, of course, as, as somebody already said, an alternative to, to professional staff are volunteers. So so what I what I wanted to 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 to, to, to share with you here is that uh, lack of material resources is not an obstacle because especially because uh, modern technology allows us to uh, compensate uh, for the lack of, of, of material resources. So even in the, if, if we cannot uh, compensate for everything and even if we cannot substitute uh, the, every activity with a low-cost alternative, there are lots of activities that can be substituted. And, and, and these four examples just show that, that there, is a, there is a possibility provided by the technology. So, to put it in, um, in uh, there is a quote by an anonymous author which says, lack of resources makes you resourceful. So, it's not just that, that you know, we can uh, find low-cost alternatives, but we're also, when we don't have access to material resources, we are actually much more creative in figuring out the the alternatives to the to the and there's as somebody said necessity is mother of all inventions exactly so 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 that that is certainly true and and there are lots of examples where uh, of of human rights advocacy efforts which became so successful in attracting a lot of material resources at the very beginning because they sounded promising, so that because of that, they never became creative enough to develop a, 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 a good campaign. In other words, you know, they were too promising so that actually they became uh, less resourceful and they actually never never uh, managed to, to create anything uh, with bigger impact. I can, I can recall meeting uh, a group of uh, uh, dissidents from Belarus a long time ago. This was 10 years ago. And when they started actually uh, organizing their campaign, uh, there was such a big need 
for such a campaign that everybody actually went to support them and they were too small. And uh, and they became not just uh, supported by, by various groups and organizations, but they also, their expectations were high. And they actually didn't, didn't uh, create internal capacity of their organization to do all that because they were, you know, uh, just the support was too big for them to take. Another example of that is also Occupy Wall Street, uh, which happened uh, last year. And uh, the occupiers of Wall Street just gathered down in Zuccotti Park, and uh, they, in, after two weeks, they got such a huge support from everybody, and they didn't even have time to develop their own uh, internal capacity. And that's why they actually never actually managed to get out of Zuccotti Park and, and, to, and, to, and to build their uh, movement uh, bigger. By the end of the year, their occupation actually ended. And so now they exist on a different level. But uh, lack of resources makes you resourceful. And if we look at some very, very uh, uh, inspiring examples from the past, we can see that actually this lack of resources was uh, was crucial. For instance, if you look at Solidarity in Poland, uh, the first couple of years of uh, their operation, they actually were faced with the uh, uh, total lack of, of, of not just material resources, but they also were under severe repression. And that actually made them stronger and, and more resourceful. And I would like to think that one of the reasons why Otpor uh, was so successful was because of a decade-long fight against Milosevic that uh, Otpor was just, uh, uh, how should I say, the last step, but, but this also uh, actually helped. Okay, so when we talk about the, the alternative to uh, uh, highly paid uh, uh, campaigns that are dependent on material resources, the first thing that comes to mind is so-called grassroots marketing or guerrilla marketing. So does anybody know uh, or has a good definition of grassroots marketing or guerrilla marketing that, that they could share with us? Anybody? Absorbing people to participate in direct action. That, that, is, that can be a good definition of, of, of guerrilla marketing or grassroots marketing. Does anybody know what, what this picture here represents? Uh, what, is, what, what is going on here? This is a, a, a picture from Copenhagen, and this is a sculpture. Uh, in Copenhagen, uh, and uh, the sculpture is uh, uh, covered with plastic junk, and this is part of a campaign to uh, raise awareness of the junk that the residents of Copenhagen were throwing into the sea, 
and so the beaches of the of the city and the docks of the city harbor were were full of plastic bottles and and plastic bags and all kinds of stuff so so a group of environmentalists uh, decided to raise awareness about that and they did it by putting uh, uh, plastic garbage or plastic junk on this is one of the most uh, popular uh, sculptures over there and so it's in the it's in the city so Guerrilla marketing or grassroots marketing actually is a low-cost alternative to to uh, mass media marketing or or mainstream marketing that people. So yes, it 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 is dependent on the interaction with the users or the interactions of the recipients, but it also has some other some other qualities. And this picture here, the 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 sculpture covered with uh, with plastic actually shows some of the elements of the grassroots marketing. First, grassroots marketing is cheap. So you don't have TV commercials, you depend on YouTube videos. You don't have paid uh, uh, advertisement in the newspapers or printed flyers or something like that. You have blogs and websites that you can. So it's much cheaper uh, than the regular marketing. Um, it, it needs to be interesting. So, for instance, this uh, this particular uh, uh, picture shows that people who are walking down the park and looking at this statue are going to be puzzled with what what is going on. What is what is happening with this uh, with this uh, statue? Uh, it needs to be clever. And uh, it needs to be surprising, which is definitely uh, the case here. It also needs to be personal because it depends on uh, the people. Because as one of the comments here says, it's about absorbing people to participate in direct action. So you need to be personal if you want to absorb these people. It needs to be viral, inclusive as well, and also frequent. Because this is how people are going to uh, see that something is happening. If you are... Uh, all over the place with your grassroots marketing uh, effort that is going to be noticed by the by the people. So if we compare uh, grassroots marketing with mainstream marketing, we can see that uh, in mainstream marketing you need a lot of material resources. You need money to for all the commercials, for all the TV ads, newspaper ads, and stuff. And in grassroots marketing you depend on people and their time. Because this is what people are going to be doing. They're going to be sharing things on Facebook, or they're going to uh, uh, be going around using word of mouth or something like that. But mainstream marketing depends on professionals, and grassroots marketing depends on, on volunteers. Uh, mainstream marketing focuses on competition, which is, uh, as, as you can see in, in all the big advertisements that is happening, they're always trying to confront themselves with the with the their competitors. And so, for instance, the last one is, you know, the big fight between Apple and Samsung, you know, who is better or, you know, wh why would you, why should you buy this product, not that product? And in grassroots marketing, the focus is on cooperation with the, with the users. And as, as uh, 
as uh, one of the comments here said, interaction with the user. So it's not just you are telling the users uh, what your message is, but you're also getting something from them, and you're trying to include them in the in the effort as well. And in mainstream marketing, it's all about direct communication. So uh, the effort is to reach the recipients directly. And in grassroots marketing, there is a lot of indirect communication. So you are reaching some people only for them to reach other people. So you're not, maybe you're going to reach the, the recipient of your message. You're not going to reach him directly, but through somebody. So a word of mouth is uh, an important aspect of the, of the, uh, uh, word of mouth is an important aspect of, of uh, grassroots marketing. And uh, when we talk about uh, uh, quantity versus quality, in mass, in my mainstream marketing it's all about quantity. You know, you, you, for instance, somebody wants to sell a BMW. So they pay a TV, uh, they pay a TV ad, or they pay a, a newspaper ad. So all the people are going to read, uh, who read that newspaper, they're going to see that ad. And maybe only 5% of those people are potential BMW customers. Maybe only 5% of those people have enough money to, 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 to afford a BMW, or they have preference for a BMW. But this is how uh, mainstream marketing works. In, in uh, grassroots marketing, we are talking about targeting people. We do not uh, reach ev everybody. We reach people who are interested in the topic and let them reach other people who are interested in the topic first before we go to the larger audience. But this is where indirect communication also comes in. Uh, so, in, 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 in grassroots marketing, we're uh, talking about uh, not producing a lot of uh, materials, but actually having the quality materials that are going to reach the people who are, who, are going to be, who are going to read or who are going to act upon that. That's why the, the success of viral videos is not in the number of hits or number of views, but in the real impact that they make. If they reach only 1,000 people, but the right 1,000 people, it's much better than viral, so-called viral videos that, that reach 1 million people without, without any impact. This is very important because people sometimes make a, a confusion. They, they don't make a distinction between the two, and it's actually about targeting the right uh, uh, group and communicating the message to them. Okay, so to, to sum it up, the difference between mainstream marketing and grassroots marketing, the most important one is uh, in terms of impact. If you have a lot of money, you're going to put a lot of money in the TV ads and, and different promotional activities and uh, whatever, and you're going to reach a maximum impact very, very soon. And this is going to be the pinnacle of your uh, campaign. But then the impact is going to decline over time as people get tired or as people get, uh, you know, bored with the same advertising, etc., etc. 
in grassroots marketing, because the effort is to reach uh, the, the, the targeted group, who is then going to reach out to the others, and through indirect communication, they're going to create the momentum later on, you don't see a big impact in the beginning. But slowly over time, this increases, and you finally have impact uh, later as the campaign uh, develops and as the campaign actually becomes more, uh, as, as there are more people here who are participating in the campaign. So, so that would be the, the difference between these two campaigns. Uh, do we have any questions so far before I go into the next, uh, into the next uh, uh, segment? If there are any questions, this is the right time to to ask them. Uh, okay, do you, uh, there is a, we have one question here. Do you want to raise your hand and ask it in? Uh, okay, you, you want me to explain grassroots marketing. Okay, I think I think that you know uh, an example of, of 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 grassroots marketing that that I used here uh, was um, maybe. Uh, how shall I say? Maybe through well, okay. So I, now I see the now I see the question. Okay. 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 So I I, I will try I will try to answer uh, these questions now. Okay. So. As we can see, of course, in the in the if we look at the, what happens, the, the the difference between mainstream marketing and grassroots marketing, because mainstream marketing uh, is dependent on uh, on uh, material resources more than on human resources. You, as a, as a big company or as a big organization that that that, that has enough resources to use on, on uh, mainstream marketing, you will invest a lot of uh, money in promotion, uh, TV uh, advertising, uh, newspaper advertising, events that can be organized, and, and there is a lot of buzz that is created out of that. So a lot of people talk about it, and a lot of people are influenced by it directly, and then after some time, they get bored, and they move on to something else, and there are other things. In the, in the grassroots marketing, because it develops over time, it builds slowly, so people don't know about it in the beginning. And then later when they hear from their neighbors, from their friends, from, their, uh, from the people around them, they kind of get interested and they get, uh, uh, how should I say, attracted to the, to the message. And we can say that the grassroots marketing has, a, has an impact. Of course... After some time, people also get bored, uh, but not as uh, quickly as they do in the mainstream marketing, because something that was very slow in building will be very slow in, in uh, uh, declining. Something that took a lot of time to, to build is not just, a, let's say, uh, a temporary thing. Because a lot of people are actually not just changing the, their behavior, but they're actually embracing the message 
of the grassroots marketing effort. So uh, it's not that easy for this uh, message to become as uh, saturated. It's not it's not easy for the for the audience to to be saturated with the message as quickly as they are in the in the mainstream marketing effort. And the reason for that is the is the peer component because you hear from your neighbors and from your friends about it, you don't hear it on TV. And this is the, the, the big strength of, of grassroots marketing because it's, it, it is depending on, on the people. Okay, so we have a question. That's an excellent question. That's an excellent question. And uh, indeed, uh, the, the time here is uh, an important resource because uh, here the impact of the of the grassroots marketing is dependent on time. It it only happens later. So this is a crucial period for the for the human rights advocacy uh, group. This is the crucial period because here, if people lose uh, enthusiasm in this first. Uh, in this first period, if they lose enthusiasm here, nothing is going to happen later because the enthusiasm is going to drop, impact is going to drop, and nothing is is going to is going to happen. So, uh, so this is uh, the the most important, how should I say, critical period for this uh, for this uh, marketing effort. Well, unfortunately, there is a question here that there is, is there a reference, is there a reference for this graph? Uh, well, the graph itself doesn't, uh, doesn't uh, uh, exist so far, uh, and this is more like a visual representation uh, that, that I developed, but it's actually based on the, on the analysis of, of, of these campaigns, uh, both, uh, uh, grassroots marketing campaigns and, and, and mainstream campaigns. But I will I will share with you and when we discuss this later in the in the forum I will share with you the, the articles and, and you will see that the, the graph is just a visual representation of that. But what what it shows is actually that you know the impact of grassroots marketing actually happens only after certain uh, time passes. It's not something that is going to happen uh, very soon. Okay, so let's move on because we have uh, other things to cover. So as, as we said, it, it, the uh, grassroots marketing uh, uh, campaigns are uh, uh, dependent on time and on human resources. And when we talk about human resources, we're talking about uh, organizers, activists, and supporters. So. When we talk about organizers, these are the people who are actually doing most of the uh, uh, organizational management. They are managing the organization, and they're also doing a lot of planning, assessment of the impact of the of the plans, uh, feedback, collecting feedback on what the plans were doing. So they're pretty much behind the organization of the of the campaign. These are campaign planners. These are analysts. These are people who are. Uh, writing blogs, who are producing uh, video material, etc., etc. So they are 
behind the organizing of the campaign. And then, you know, when we have activists, activists usually take, uh, uh, they take a, a, an important role in the implementation. These are the people who are joining the, the, the activities, they are spreading the word, they are uh, uh, sharing that on the, on the, on the social networks, they may be involved to, uh, to uh, certain extent in the in the planning or any other effort but but not so much as the organizers and then you have the supporters which are you know just you know liking your page on Facebook or <laughs> they're you know just saying oh this is a great job you're doing but they, they don't actually uh, do much uh, they're not active in this support they're just supporting so when we look back at the spectrum of allies if you remember that we said that, you know, you, all, you always want to move your passive supporters to make them more active supporters. So you are trying actually to, you know, move people closer to the center, you know, from supporters to activists and from activists to organizers. And, of course, and, and another important thing is from general public, you want the general public to, to uh, make them... Uh, turn them into supporters. So, if we distinguish these three groups, organizers that are, you know, in charge of the strategy and the campaign develop and all that stuff, activists who are uh, 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 concerned with implementation and, and different tactics, and when we talk about supporters who are just supporting an effort but they're not actively contributing, uh, we are now going to look at some uh, ways how to manage these three groups of people in online campaigns. So the first question that we're going to ask ourselves is what do these people, what, what do we want them to do? What is the, 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 the how should I say, the regular activity of, of, of these uh, uh, different groups and then the next question is what is the platform or what is the organizational uh, framework in which they're going to be doing it so i'm going to i'm going to give you an example with the with the first group and uh, and then you can add uh, others as well so let me give you an example organizers one of the things they do is they uh, are involved in uh, planning and how do they uh, already say uh, brainstorming ideas about campaign that they're doing and So how do they how they are doing this? We can say from the and the the way they are doing it, it can be done by using a, a discussion board or a forum. Forum. Okay. So what are the other activities that that we may we would like to see the these different groups? Doing, and then we can see what are the what are the 
ways for them for them to do it. Let's say one of the things for the for the organizer is also defining vision and mission. Indeed. Activists are involved in implementation. So activists can actually the implementation of an online campaign can be let's say writing articles about an issue. And uh, the way they can do that is they can use a certain, let's say, blogging platform. Okay, any other, any other ideas? What, what activists may be, what do we, what we want activists to do? Okay, supporters are spreading the message indirectly and developing the campaign inside the public. Yes, this is the, the indirect communication that we talked about. Because we are in grassroots marketing effort, we are usually not reaching the end, u end user or end recipient directly. But we are actually doing that through the uh, through the uh, our supporters and, and, and activists. Okay, any other thoughts? Activists are also promoters of the campaign. Indeed, and they can, they can. Uh, supporters are following the plan. Okay, so as you can see from, from already from from these several uh, uh, inputs, is that there are several platforms that that that, that can be used for a single uh, advocacy effort, for a single campaign. And these platforms uh, are, some are better suited for, for some things and some are better suited for some other things. So activists are also finding the best method through the goals which is already defined from the organizer's part. Exactly, this is one thing about the autonomy of the, of the activist that, that needs to have the goals and the guidelines, but needs to have freedom to find the best way to disseminate this message, not wait for the leadership of the campaign to tell him or her what to do, but actually, so finding the best method is another thing what activists may do. So, in order to do that, they have to have some so sort of internal internal communication platform that they can actually uh, figure that out. And what what else do we want the supporters to do? Is there anything else that we can that we can think about supporters? So we have another thing here. Exactly, they become activists. Okay, so they're uh, we want them to become activists. Indeed, this is this is an important part. And they're also spreading the message. 
about two. Okay, so as you can see here, pretty much in this, okay, just a second. So here, for the supporters, what we need to figure out is the, the platform that they're going to be using is the platform that is the prevalent in the community or society. So this is important because here, for instance, we can have uh, for organizers and for activists. We can, for instance, use Ushahidi mapping platform. And this can help us analyze the situation uh, uh, in, the, in the country. And we can see what is going on in which, in which uh, part and uh, we can actually use that uh, platform to gather information about, you know, events or incidents or anything like that. Uh, however, as we can see, uh, this, we can only actually ask uh, our activists and our organizers to use this platform. So they would be feeding information into the into the map, and we would know from this map we would have like a very good overview of what is going on. But we cannot expect our supporters or the general public to use something that is not already prevalent in the society, some platform that is not already used by the majority of the people. So we have to, when figuring out which platform are we going to uh, use to communicate with our uh, supporters, that needs to be a platform that they are already using, which means uh, that we cannot introduce something new like, for instance, Shahidi to communicate with them if they are not using it. For organizers and for activists, we can do it. So that's why for organizers and for activists, we can set up internal communication platform, which is something we cannot set up for the, for our supporters. Okay. So because we have uh, 20 more minutes or so, we're going to go to the next and the most, the last and the most crucial resource, and that is time. And, uh, of course, time is always pressing because uh, it, uh, we never have enough time because there are always new things that need to be done. And, uh, and there are things that, you know, usually take more time than we, than we expect them to. So, there are always you know, more stuff to do than the time that we have left. So time management is actually uh, a very important uh, part of the resource management in general. When we look at the, the, the whole triangle of the, 
of the of human resources, material resources, and uh, time, you know, it's well balanced. So, you know, if you have uh, a lot of money, then, you know, things will take less time because they will be done much more quickly. We saw that example with the with the, when we compared mainstream marketing with grassroots marketing. If you can invest a lot of money in TV commercials, you know, the, the message will reach out to a wider audience very quickly. If you don't have enough money, then, you know, as you can see here, things are going to take more time. If you have uh, more money, things are going to take less time. The same thing is... Uh, if you have more money, you will need less volunteers to to work on on a, on a campaign. If you don't have uh, enough money, you will need a lot of volunteers because people, you know, you you, you don't you don't obviously have money to to pay professionals. If you have a lot of uh, if you have a lot of volunteers at your disposal, then you can actually things can be done uh, in in less time. If you don't have enough uh, people, then it will take you longer to get things done. So management of time is actually done through management of material and 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 human resources and uh, the more we invest especially in, in in human resources this is how we're going to uh, manage our time much more efficiently so that you know actually there are more people uh, contributing to the effort the, the things are going to be done uh, overall much much more quickly because of that so, but it is important here to know that, you know, you cannot have everything. You cannot have a cheap, short, and small campaign, you know. <laughs> it's either going to be cheap and short, but then it will have to be big, or it has to be uh, expensive and short, and then it can be small. So, the, 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 the thing here is that uh, in ideal, uh, an ideal campaign is impossible because, because, uh, uh, you will have to pay uh, on one end if you want to compensate on the other end. And when we talk about grassroots marketing efforts, we're talking about the management on this side. Because uh, money here is usually something that we don't have access to, but we're trying to uh, manage our human resources in regard to time. Because as you remember, when we define smart objectives, the last letter in smart was timely. So we need to figure out uh, the time at the very beginning of the campaign when we are uh, looking at the objectives of the campaign. And when do we want these objectives to be achieved? And based on that, we're going to project our uh, human resources accordingly. How many people do we need at what uh, point in time, etc., etc. So we're looking at this nexus time and 
and uh, people. And so, uh, a thing that 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 is a very handy exercise here, and this is in in this example that I'm using here is a tactical, but it can also be applied for much longer plans. And uh, the exercise is so-called reverse planning. Reverse planning is actually something that you do to figure out how much time you will need for uh, a particular thing. And uh, and then, or if you are pressed with time and that you have to do it on a particular day and you have only uh, limited time to do it, then it actually helps you figure out how can you speed it up by by adding more people to the task. <coughs> Excuse me. So, so the example that we're going to use here is um, we're going to organize the Saturday lunch. And so for that lunch, we need to plan all the activities that are necessary to uh, for this uh, event to happen. So these uh, activities are everything from planning the menu, buying uh, food, cooking, inviting people, you know, getting whatever else is needed, etc., etc. So, what we're going to do now in this very short exercise, and it's not going to last long, is we're going to put different activities on different days before Saturday, and we're going to try to see how much time we will actually need to create this lunch, which means that, uh, you know, it's going to happen on Saturday, but we don't know when are we when are we going to start. Are we going to start on Friday? Are we going to start on Thursday? Or are we going to start on Wednesday? So let's fill it in, and we're going to fill it in by, as I said, reverse planning. So the first thing we're going to fill in is all the necessary things that need to be done uh, for the lunch to happen, and that is going to be on Friday. So this is where we're going to prepare the lunch. And the reason why we're going to prepare it on Friday is because we don't have enough room on Saturday in the in the in the calendar. So let's prepare. Let's see what are the activities that are uh, necessary uh, to create uh, this uh, to, to organize the Saturday lunch. Okay. So uh, we have one uh, one thing here which says invite people on Monday. Well. Maybe, but uh, if we do that like that, we are uh, we are not reverse planning. So let's see from the from the back. Let's see what are the last things that we need to do to have the lunch done. Because if we invite people on Monday, uh, that is not going to make us. Uh, that is not that is not going to prepare a lunch for us. So let's let's reverse plan. Let's see what needs to happen on Friday. In, for, in order for lunch to happen. Okay, so we have to cook meals and set the table. Exactly. Okay, so cook meals. Set the table. Okay. And then, what do we need to do before that? We need to do shopping. Okay, so we're going to go shopping on Thursday. I'm, my computer is a little bit slow, so I'm trying to 
if somebody else can put it in, that would be great. Okay, so we're going to buy groceries on Thursday. And so, is there anything else that we want to do? Do we want to uh, plan what we're going to eat and drink? When are we going to do that? So, we're going to plan the menu on Wednesday. And so, we are going to invite people when? We're going to invite people on Tuesday. Okay. So, okay, I, I'm sorry. Invite people. Okay, so what this tells us is that we're going to invite people, and based on, uh, okay, and on Monday we can actually decide who to invite. That's true. But this actually tells us that, you know, that we will see what are the crucial, uh, what are the crucial uh, events in this whole preparation of the lunch. And uh, we can actually reverse plan and see what what needs to happen before something else happens. So, of course, in order to have lunch, we need to cook food. Uh, in order to cook food, we need to buy groceries. In order to buy groceries, we need to plan uh, uh, the menu so that we know what we're going to uh, cook and how much. And in order to do that, we need to invite people and to see who is going to come, who is not going to come, so that we know, uh, you know, what kind of food we want to buy and what are the amounts that we want to buy. So by, and then, of course, we need to decide who do we want to invite in the first place. So reverse planning, actually, this is a very, how should I say, simple exercise, but it actually... Uh, allows us to look at every important element of the of the uh, successful planning of an event and then to see when is the time that needs that this needs to happen so that uh, we actually uh, don't plan two weeks in advance or we don't plan two days in advance but we actually have a realistic uh, time frame which is not too long but is not too short. And then when we plan our core activities, then we can uh, we can add other things. For instance, on Friday we can call people and remind them that there is going to be lunch tomorrow. And then on Sunday, for instance, we can call them again and tell them, you know, uh, I hope you like the lunch, you know, how did you like it, you know, would you like to see, what if we see each other again one day, etc., etc. So some sort of a follow-up so that you can actually, or we can text them, it's cheaper, exactly, we don't need to call them at all. <laughs> but but if we plan our core activities, then we can actually find room for some extra activities too, and that can be, you know, we can go and get ourselves some, I don't know, new music for them, for for it to play. Or if we realize that we didn't 
spend uh, too much money on food, we can go and buy uh, some very cool cake in the local uh, cake shop so that we can actually give them something. Or we can decide to prepare some more food and to give some food for them to take home. That's another thing. But these are all optional things that we're going to decide after we have the core plan uh, finished. And this plan, as I said, is reverse plan. And so it actually will allow us to see how much time do we really need to prepare lunch. And as we can see here, you know, if we put the who to invite as a uh, as really not a, not an important uh, uh, implementation, but rather like a planning uh, stage, then we can say that, that the implementation takes Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. It takes four days for us to implement this. And that, re that includes inviting people, preparing the menu, buying groceries, and cooking meals and setting the table. So this is how we figure out how much time do we need for uh, any tactic that we do in, a, in, a, in an online campaign as well. So if we want to, 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 to get something done, we need to see what are the ingredients for this to happen and then to plan uh, in reverse to figure out when do we need to start with the preparation of this event, whatever this event uh, maybe it can be an online event, it can be a real event, it can be uh, a new blog post, it can be a, 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 an event that is happening in the street. It, it really doesn't matter. What matters is that these, these uh, things are reverse planned. Okay, any questions? Okay, so let me, uh, let me just touch upon some other important issues. And these important issues are something that we cannot, unfortunately, cover in, 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 in this course because uh, it, each of these issues requires uh, probably a course on its own. And this is the next step in organizational management, the next step in managing your campaign and your human rights advocacy effort. And this is actually building your organization. And building organization... Uh, needs to answer several important questions. First important question is how this organization is going to build skills of activists and organizers. Because building their skills and improving their skills in either writing blog posts or taking photos, which is something that we covered here, or in sharing the content with, with the, uh, on, on social media, is going to increase their efficiency in, uh, uh, in, in their work. But they also, it's going to serve as an, a reward for their effort because they're volunteers. They cannot be paid, and we don't have enough material resources to pay them anyway, but we can actually give them, uh, provide them uh, with the necessary skills that they can later use for, uh, for something else. And this can be a reward for their effort. Another important issue is actually their involvement in decision-making and uh, ownership of the campaign, which means that, you know, uh, you give them guidelines, not instructions. You know, you don't tell them what to do, but you tell them, you know, what is expected of them. 
but you also consult with them, explain what needs to be done, and show by your own example as the as leader of a campaign. And you allow for their autonomy and their initiative, so they can do, based on the guidelines that you provided, they can do something on their own. So this is, these are important questions. We cannot cover them here, but this is something that, 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 that requires the uh, human rights advocacy groups to 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 kind of think about. Another thing is something that we talked about briefly last week, and these are security considerations because you need to also make sure that the the security of the of the whole effort and especially security of the people who are involved in this effort is uh, is not jeopardized, and so. When we talk about security, we're talking about securing content of communication, not channels of communication. So figuring out what needs to be confidential and what doesn't, what can be discussed in the open and what uh, cannot be discussed in the open. And th this also uh, means that you need to educate the activists uh, about security issues and how to uh, not jeopardize, how not to brag, not to gossip, not to uh, leak information to to so these are all the the, the the things that we just they're so big that this uh, course cannot cover them but I just think that they are very important for for uh, aspects of organizational management and so you know to end uh, I'm just gonna show an example of uh, the smallest organization in the world and the smallest organization, when you have one person, that's not organization. But if you have two people, that already is an organization. And I'm using the example of this uh, uh, dancing couple. And so whatever the, the, the structure, whatever the human resource, material resource, or any other management uh, we're talking about, whatever the campaign, whatever the effort, whatever the strategy, is the organization, whether it is two people or is it 100,000 people, it doesn't matter. It will require three ingredients for it to function. And the first ingredient is internal communication so that people can communicate with each other inside the organization of a, of a, of a, of a campaign or, you know, in this case, the dancing couple. Another thing is coordination, so that they actually do things at the same time and they, and, and they do things that complement each other, so they're, they're not, uh, as, as people who dance, they, they shouldn't step on each other's toes. And the third and the very important component is trust, because without trust, there is no coordination, and trust is also very important where communication doesn't work. So when you don't have enough communication between people, then the only thing that, 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 that remains in, is trust, that the other person is going to do what is necessary so that we don't step on each other's toes. And this is the example of the dancing couple actually shows these three ingredients for successful uh, organization. And so with this I'm going to end. So what you're going to do in this uh, class, in this week for, for the assignment, 
is actually just do a little estimate of uh, the number of organizers and activists that you need for the implementation of the of the campaign that you're working on. You know, this is uh, pro probably not going to be very accurate, but any estimate is better than no estimate. Another, maybe even more important part of this estimate is actually to define positions within the campaign and specific responsibilities for each position, which means who are the people that are going to be involved in this campaign and uh, what they are going to be doing. Uh, you don't know if uh, when you define these positions, if this is going to require five or ten or fifty people. But when you define positions, uh, that means that the more people you have, then, uh, you know, the more uh, compartmentalized or more, uh, how should I say, focused each of them can be on, on a particular task. If you have only one person or two people in the campaign, then they will be doing a lot of things. Uh, that, that you defined uh, as, as responsibilities. But it's important to define responsibilities regardless of how many people you have in a campaign effort. And with this, I will uh, end, and uh, we will, I will see you on the discussion board. Thank you.